Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm your host, Mary Fran Johnson, CEO of Mary Fran Johnson Media. Twice a month, we produce this video show and podcast with the generous support of my good friends at CIO.com and the CIO Executive Council. We're streaming live to you right now on both LinkedIn and our CIO channel on YouTube. And because we are live, we encourage any of our alert watching audience and viewers to join in today's conversation if you have any direct questions of your own for my guest. Our editors are watching the feed and the chat on both LinkedIn and YouTube, and we'll pass along those questions. <clears throat> and I'm very pleased today to welcome Sheila Anderson, who is a Senior Vice President and CIO of AFLAC. Sheila joined AFLAC in July of 2022, overseeing all the applications and technologies that are enabling this Fortune 200 company's U.S. business and helping to accelerate the maturity of its digital-driven enterprise. Now, in the U.S., AFLAC underwrites a wide range of insurance policies, but is perhaps best known for its payroll deduction supplemental or GAAP insurance coverage. With annual revenues of $18.9 billion, Affleck employs more than 12,000 people worldwide and is headquartered in both Columbus, Georgia and Tokyo, Japan. Now, you may be thinking, Affleck, don't they have that duck? I love the Affleck duck. The Affleck duck made its TV commercial debut in January of 2000. And the idea then was to teach consumers how to pronounce Affleck. It has become one of the most familiar and beloved advertising icons in the world and has appeared in countless commercials and print ads in both the U.S. and Japan. So essentially, along with Sheila, we have an international advertising icon with us today. Now, before she joined AFLAC last year, Sheila served as the EVP and CIO at Liberty Mutual where she led the tech organization responsible for Liberty's growing global business in more than 29 countries. Before Liberty Mutual, she was a vice president and CIO of property and casualty insurance at USAA. And then earlier in her career, she's held executive uh, roles with major Fortune 500 companies and their global tech organizations, including Hewlett Packard and Electronic Data Systems. Among the many topics we'll be exploring today are Sheila's views on the CIO role as a change agent and the future of AI and intelligent automation and the role it's playing in driving more innovative digital-first customer experiences. Sheila, welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you. It's good to be here. Now, let's start off. The insurance, uh, financial services and insurance industry is such a vast and complicated business. And one that you've experienced in recent CIO roles. Tell us about how Affleck's business today, how that differs from the property and casualty worlds of Liberty Mutual and USAA and MetLife and some of those other companies. Exactly, of course. So many, many people, when you think of insurance typically think of the property and casualty space, which is the primary uh, focus for companies like USAA, Liberty Mutual. There are also other lines of business there as well. AFLAC actually focuses in on supplemental insurance, and so it is that gap insurance. The types of policies that we sell are things like accident insurance, dental, vision, uh, short-term disability, mm -hmm. cancer, which is our 
Um, I think of that as our capstone primary focus. The company was founded as a cancer insurance company. Mm -hmm. Our critical illness policies, hospital, life insurance. So all of these are focuses for Aflac. One of the big differences that I that I see as far as how we go to market, the Aflac insurance is, as we like to say, it's sold and not bought because it is a gap insurance. It's a bit of a different focus. You don't have to buy insurance for gap, whereas you are required to buy other types of insurance to cover, for example, your home or your automobile. Okay. So that does give it just kind of a different well, a different slant in how it has to approach its customers and the consumers. Absolutely, it does. We have very much a focus on serving that that customer. We sell through agents and brokers as well as direct sale channels. So if you think about the digital enablement and how you reach your distribution channels, it's all of those. Okay. Well, now I know Affleck is a 68-year-old company founded in 1955. And when we were talking about your challenges and the kind of programs and initiatives you have going as CIO, uh, you had mentioned that the level of maturity is a bit different there at Affleck from some of the previous Fortune 100 and 200 companies you've worked at, Um, that being about more strategic investment, more scrutiny. Uh, ex- flush that out for me a little bit. Explain what Absolutely. you meant by that. Absolutely. As I like to say, we have everything from the 50-year-old mainframe to the latest AI innovations in play here in the production environment <clears throat> delivering value for our customers. So if you think about that, there's everything in between. And you have to have a strategy to manage all of that technical debt, the aging technology, while also innovating for the future and adopting the newer technologies like AI and machine learning. So given that, we absolutely have had very much a focus on what I like to call framing the foundation, which is focusing on those core legacy platforms and having strategies to move those to the future, as well as adopting some of the more greenfield approaches to leveraging newer technologies like AI and machine learning, for example, in adjudication during our claims process. Okay, good. And I know we're going to talk in more detail about all of those. Um, but before we get to that, let's talk about you You came to Affleck a year and four or five months ago. Uh, what were the expectations coming in of the CEO and your C-suite business colleagues when you arrived at Affleck? They, did they give you a list of, uh, Sheila, we need to get these things done right away? Or were you brought in to kind of strategize about how to enable more of a digital enterprise? What was that? What were those conversations like? Very interesting conversations. Affleck is is very much a company that's focused on, I, I like to say, two very, very um, primary focuses, one around relationships mm-hmm. and then the other on results. The relationship side, when I came in, one of the first things that I was asked to focus on was truly understanding individuals and roles in the business, building those relationships, understanding the business. So there wasn't a specific list of, I need you to accomplish these five things or to go transform this business immediately. So they were really looking for me to come in and understand the current state of the business. And of course, over time, build a strategy or build on an existing strategy. There was a digital strategy that was already in flight. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I really started being able to do that about the six month mark, working with my team to identify a future state strategy and future state operating model that we would start moving toward in coordination with our business. And that's one of the things that has been most unique to me is really that relationship side 
of Affleck. It's very unique for a company this large to have that type of a focus. Oh, interesting. How did that, so how did that help you approach the job? What were the sort of, when you talk about getting to know the organization, how did you do that? I, I saw an article recently where somebody said the first 90 days don't exist anymore. It's like the first oh. two weeks and you're supposed to hit the ground running. Um, so <laughs> you are. I did. I did spend time understanding. But very quickly, when you come in and you've been a CIO in and out of multiple organizations, you very quickly are able to assess and see areas of opportunity. So within the first 90 days, I absolutely was able to uh, identify some of those opportunities as it relates to how are we delivering services, how we're prioritizing our work with the business, what our focus areas are, frankly, I think some of the focus was a little bit more distributed than it should be. So we've absolutely focused on what I like to call first things first and mm -hmm. really understanding what's most important to the business and getting the value out of our investments with our business that way through focus and prioritization. Okay. What can you tell us about some of those areas that you chose to focus or refocus the business on? Absolutely. We we first of all started with some business planning sessions with our business. We have identified about four to five key initiatives across the organization. One of the biggest initiatives and goals for us has been to focus on customer persistency. So really focusing on developing and retaining that very important customer base that we have here at AFLAC. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty easy then to start aligning some of your key investments around that primary goal, for example. Uh, of course, we have other goals in support of our business to uh, growth, our sales growth and our sales channels and driving more revenue and benefit to our customers ultimately is key for us as well. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, coming into this role for me, I saw huge op opportunities also to optimize our investment so that we're spending time on the right things that are going to drive the highest value for our business. And that's been a huge shift to really have the team laser focused on working on those things that matter first. Yes. One of the questions I often ask CIOs is what has risen up or fallen a little further down on their priority lists? Uh, that was a, especially a question that made sense during the depths of the pandemic when a lot of things were changing at businesses and a lot of priorities had to be scrambled. When mm -hmm. you talk about your priority list now tell us something about the what rose to the top of it and in kind of an example sort of sense yes what rose to the top of it for us is we have we have grown through acquisitions our dental and vision and our plaid's business our disability and leave management business were both acquisitions in the last five years for Affleck. so those are maturing businesses mm -hmm. we absolutely have raised expectations around how we serve our customers and how we go to market as an integrated experience for those customers. Okay. That will continue to be a focus for us this year going into 24. The thing that's a challenge to balance when you're focused on true transformation of your digital experience are things like how do I continue investing in the run the business side of business of technology, as I like to say, how do you mature your journey to the cloud? How do you mature and make sure that you're managing the lights on side of your business as well? So because that is always a trade off. So we have pushed some of those things further down. We'll have to get to those next year. So you can't push those off more than a year or two because they are required for your business. And uh, right. certainly that's been something that has been a, a bit of a challenge for us to manage. 
Well, and you had mentioned when we talked earlier that the journey to the cloud has started a little later at Affleck than at some other companies. Mm -hmm. Where are you with that now? And yes. what will that journey to the cloud look like in terms of your tech organization? Yes, we actually started the journey to the cloud the year that I joined the prior leadership had already defined a digital strategy mm -hmm. and really focused on one of our largest and toughest application areas, our enrollment platform. It's called Everwell for our individual business. Mm -hmm. um, the original goal was not so much focused on cost, but was more focused on the, the quality of that product. And we were able to achieve those quality goals with that migration to the cloud. The teams learned a lot. We worked that with a partner, of, cor of course. And then we also moved into a model where we started also observing and watching the investment in that and managing to expectations around investment as well. So that's been hugely successful for us. That was the first. It was very large. Mm -hmm. What we're working on now is taking an approach, a two-pronged approach. One is looking at our distributed platforms with a two-year plan to migrate most of those to the cloud. Some mm -hmm. of those applications will be sunset or decommissioned. Some will go to the cloud as is without, without major refactoring, and some will be fully transformed. And we, we're really thinking about that relative to importance to our business, what we call our tier one or most significant differentiating application. We yes. will look to have those more cloud native as soon as we can compared to our commodity services, we may not be so concerned about those and let those run a little bit more as is. Yeah. Well, I often wonder how the whole Amazon factor is mm -hmm. impacting the plans the companies are making because the, and by that, I mean the way consumers expect certain features that turn up all the time now on Amazon and using the Google search engine and that sort of thing. Exactly. Is, it, it, it impacts it hugely. And, and so oh. because consumer expectations are changing, that is their ex, their expectation and their experience in everyday life. So that transposes into the business experience as well. Yeah. And so absolutely, it's one of those drivers to get to the cloud so that you can experience, have those experience. It's a little bit tougher if you're running on legacy technologies. You yes. are limited by, especially on that user interface side, some of the things that you can do. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you want to highlight that has happened under uh, under your guidance in the last year, year and a half that consumers are really noticing in the market? What is standing out to them these days? From, from a consumer expectation, one of the um, applications that we've worked on is absolutely focusing on our My Aflac experience. And that is that mm -hmm. consumer view of how you interface with Aflac and how you consume the products and services that we have. So in the past year to two years, that has been a huge focus for us. We will have continued focus on integrating more experiences into that platform or to other platforms similar to that experience. Okay, good. I want to pivot over now to talk uh, more specifically um, about the CIO 100 Award for Innovation that your technology team won this year in 2023. And it was, it doesn't have a very glamorous name. The name of it was Code-Based Processing. And yes. it's, it's a part of your transformation journey, the commitment mm -hmm. to using digital solutions to make life easier for customers and so forth. What tell us about that project and why it was such a winner for Affleck? Mm -hmm. Interesting too. 
that journey started prior to my joining AFLAC, and it actually started as a challenge to reduce some of the error rates that we were seeing in our claims processing. So it, it morphed from actually meeting meeting that expectation, addressing the gaps in the error rates, to actually also driving efficiencies and being able to drive that more accurate experience. We have about 46% of our claims today that are um, auto-processed. We like to call that through our code-based processing. And basically that means for the most part, it does not require human touch. It, it gives us the opportunity to free up, for example, our customer service reps from working on some of the more lower, I would say lower impactful claims and freeing up their time so they can spend time when we may have a claimant who actually needs someone on the end of the phone to talk to. That would be a much more serious situation, whether it be an accident or health issue. So all around, it's been hugely successful for us. We've continued that rollout. We're on a multi-year journey for that. We're rolling it out across other lines of business as well. And it's also a core platform that we're looking to share across other lines of business and also with our team in Japan. Yes. Well, and I've uh, I've been involved when I was editor-in-chief at CIO Magazine. I was very involved with the CIO 100 Innovation Awards, and mm -hmm. I have stayed involved through Leadership Live over the years. And when I looked at um, what you had, what you had won and why you had won here, what I found really interesting, I was not surprised to see that that AI and machine learning were a big part of it, but it was back office operations that were being improved and it, what I think probably put you into the winning category, just from my own experience, was that this has been deployed across three lines of business already, your accident, your hospital, your short-term disability. And the numbers of the results were very impressive. More than 25,000 claims a month are being processed yes. through AI and machine learning. And those are, those are just very, those are very interesting and big numbers. They are, and they are, and there's huge opportunity to further leverage that, um, not only domestically, but in our uh, Japan business as well. I just had the opportunity last mm -hmm. week to have some discussions with our Japan CEO about the potential to leverage that in Japan as well. Ah. Now, when we're talking about AI and machine learning in this context, we're talking about the more traditional and established mm -hmm. artificial intelligence and machine learning, um, not generative AI. So let's Let's switch horses here and talk a little bit about what your views are if you're doing any kind of work in Gen AI. Uh, that is just something that every CIO I've talked to recently seems to be interested in, it, and there's a lot of poking around going on that. Uh, so tell us about that part of the AI experience at Affleck. Yeah, so I always like to say that we are proceeding with both innovation and caution at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we doing when when that first popped and it literally did pop pretty quickly um overnight almost it was one of those things that had a hockey stuck curve as far as interest um one of the first things that we did is is pulled a, a cross organizational team together to to look at how we would respond to that Things like ensuring that our global data usage and protection um, policies were accommodating of these recent advancements in mm -hmm. AI. Um, also looking how we would manage it. We did things like refreshing our global risk um, management policies as it relates to Gen AI with AFLAC. Um, also looking at our global security information policy. 
So all of these things are some of those things that you have to think about. So what are the guardrails that I want to put around that? How open do I want to be with Gen AI in Mm -hmm. my ecosystem? Uh, Because for us, it's most important, first and foremost, that we are absolutely protecting the confidentiality of our customer data. Mm -hmm. That trust is one piece that's that's key for us. Uh, So we've also done some awareness campaigns across the company, um, things like company-wide awareness campaigns. We Mm -hmm. have restricted some use of how we use Gen AI across the company. So we are managing and tracking that. We have a bit of an oversight function there. And we've also developed what we like to call our um, Gen AI principles of use in both the U.S. and Japan. So that's the foundational. Oh, good. Good, good. Um, Yes. And we've also we've also recently spent some time uh, educating our senior leadership team and our board as well. So we have put together education sessions around Gen AI and AI so that our board and our leadership team can understand some of what we are managing to and where we see opportunities for AFLAC. We also have come up with a number of different use cases that we're piloting, uh, things internally focused for employees, things like, of course, using it for code generation and employee productivity. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one aspect. And then on the more business facing side, we're looking at, of course, the customer service area. Would there be opportunities to leverage and drive some efficiencies there? Uh, we have some very specific use cases that we have in our Hatch laboratory that's uh, within my team. We have an innovation lab called Hatch. Mm-hmm. We're looking at how we can leverage it there as well, for example, for incoming disparate enrollment files that we're processing. How could we start to manage that difference differently through leveraging the large language models in chat GPT? So there's a lot of opportunity we're testing. I think we will roll that out with caution first to make sure that we have that data protected that we need to have protected. But I, I do think it's going to be important for all companies to look at how do you how do you lever- leverage this? Don't don't get caught up in the hype cycle of it, but really think about is there an opportunity for it to drive value for your business? Yeah. Where does where do you do that? And then test, learn and then manage it and manage it to your expectations as well. So we're in the test and pilot mode, mm-hmm. nothing in production with chat GPT. Right. Well, and uh, as you pointed out, when we talked previously, there's also a lot of legislation out there that's starting to turn up in different (laughs) states, like some of the disclosure regulations uh, kick in if you're generating any AI based response to customers. So with with all your experience as a technology leader, is this an unusual amount of hype and attention around a technology. I mean, it seems so early in the game that we're having to actually start thinking and watching legislation out there. It just now maybe this is a factor of the Internet age, but it seems to me like it's moving so fast across so many different sectors of society. I mean, even legislation starts getting involved so early. I agree. I think I think that is early. And for me, this really gets down to at the underpinnings of all of this is the data, the data around your company, the mm-hmm. aggregation of data externally. How do you think about that? How do you protect it? How available do you want it to be? And of course, one of those those uh, several risks with Gen AI, as we all know, the hallucinations, making sure that there's a way to ensure that your data is being put out there in an accurate fashion, mm-hmm. uh, managing what's being sent externally. Those are all key things. So we're really looking more for AFLAC at some of those more controlled models where we can take advantage of some of the 
gen AI, large language model capabilities while also protecting our data that needs to stay inside the walls of Aflac. Okay. Yes. Actually, I think everyone I have talked with over about this in the last six months, the first thing that everyone talks about is the security and the trust around the information and the data. Um, and we, and uh, it almost always is the case that as soon as I start talking about AI and Gen AI, we start getting questions from the audience. But these questions are actually around your journey to the cloud. So mm -hmm. we can uh, we can switch horses again here. The okay. this um, one of our alert uh, audience members points out that a journey to the cloud implies that there's a destination. Do you expect a point of completion migrating to the cloud, or will it always be an ongoing effort and priority? From where we sit, it will be an ongoing effort and priority. Almost anything that you do in technology, from my perspective is continuous evolution that you have to iterate through. There's sense. new technologies yeah. and new advancements that come out. Why I say journey to the cloud is I do think at a point when you have had legacy technologies, you have to take that leap and actually move to newer technologies mm -hmm. to be able to adopt the incoming technologies, right? So you'll have limitations um, without taking that move. So that's why I say journey. It is a journey. We haven't hadn't started that previously. We have a couple of applications and a very large application in the cloud. But this journey is truly to focus and to focus on moving a full suite of distributed applications to the cloud yeah. rather than taking it through a prolonged life cycle. And just do the beginnings and the early stages of the journey, do they ne necessitate CIOs to pick one major provider or to experiment with any of the couple, there's probably three or four major leading cloud platforms out there. How did you approach that? I, I think it's a matter of, of choice. Uh, for us here at Affleck though, we have chosen a primary provider. We're largely AWS today. That really centralized also around <clears throat> making um, the conscious choice around how do we have a focus around investment not just the investment in technology and leverage of that, but investment in people. A big part of the journey to the cloud or any new technologies, ChatGPT, for example, all mm -hmm. of those require investment in people. And so a part of that has also been putting together a revised approach to ongoing training, upskilling our organization, transitioning talent. A big part of my transformation plan in the future is truly around what we call building the talent in the workforce, right, of the future, transforming talent from the inside and giving our teams the opportunity to learn these new skills. They're very excited about it. Uh, but that's going to be a key, a key part. And we've invested so much in our in our teams here and our people. We want them to feel uh, confident that there's a path for them at AFLAC and that we're growing and investing them and giving them the opportunities to learn with these new technologies. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's a, a wonderful pivot point to my next question, which is about the size and scope of your technology team today. How have you structured or perhaps tinkered with or even restructured how IT is working to deliver the most value to the business? Talk sure. about Talk about those people and the way you have it all set up. Sure, I'll talk more. about our people. We actually are in a transformation toward a product aligned model. Oh, um, okay. So that's very much our future state. We're just starting that journey. We're structured today in, we have locations around the world. I have a delivery center in Affleck, Northern Ireland. They're actually part of my team. Mm -hmm. I have a team based here in Columbus, Georgia. I have individuals based in Tampa, Florida. In, in the Carolinas, in Charlotte, and Columbia. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we leverage third party partners from around the globe, a very large contingency in India. The, the total size of the team today with third party and my direct staff is about 1,800 um, individuals mm-hmm. supporting the full suite of applications for AFLAC US for the most part. So that's that's the team size quite large. The way that we're structured today and where we're going to are a little bit different. I'll talk I'll talk through some of that. We actually are focused very much line of business today. We have a uh, a leader that focuses on our individual line of business, mm-hmm. one that focuses on leading our group business, one that focuses on leading our plaids, which is our leave management business, and then one that focuses on leading our dental and vision. So those are business aligned organizations. We also have enabling teams and capabilities inside of my team that help to deliver services, partnering with those teams. I have Mm -hmm. a shared services team. And if you think about that, we have centralized a lot of our platforms. So think about our PEGA workflow system, for example, Mm -hmm. anything that shared services around middleware or integration layers or APIs, our data space is a centralized function. And that really gives us the opportunity to get better leverage out of those technologies to to consolidate where we can and to manage the architectural direction to a more target state future, um, helping to reduce some of the redundancy across the organization. Mm-hmm. I also have a team of architects, uh, architecture, enterprise architecture team that works as a shared service across the whole ecosystem. And we have a support team that does things like our IT financial management, our IT vendor, vendor management. Right. They do portfolio. Think of it as a small, very lean portfolio function that helps to prioritize across all of our lines of business. And their goal is to look at common themes also across where we see synergies that we can drive across our business and pull cross-functional teams together to work in um, together toward more consolidated solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a infrastructure core and cloud organization. And that team, just as it is, it's all of your traditional infrastructure. I have my new cloud office there, as well as all of our new DevOps functions. So as part of that transformation, you're eliminating and reducing roles of the past and you're building capabilities like your cloud office, like your FinOps capabilities for the cloud, Mm -hmm. um, all of these newer technologies and our DevOps. So we've got a huge focus on DevOps and enabling a pipeline approach to uh, enabling our developers to promote to the cloud. So there's mm-hmm. been a tremendous amount of work that goes into that. It's really a fun journey. The teams are super excited to have the opportunity to move toward the future and and gain these new skills while they're working toward a new target state. Yeah, because it's not so much that there's an enormous amount of change going on, although there is, but along with the change is coming all this opportunity to do yes. different and things. Exactly. And I do have uh, other teams too. It sounds quite large and it, and it is. <laughs> and it is. Yeah. We have pulled our um, user-centered design. We have a separate team that focuses on user-centered design. And that is everything that you would expect. Everything from the research mm-hmm. to the, the experience design to the user interface design. So we have all of that that's shared across the ecosystem. Um, and then I have a very small team. I do have a leader that I have 
focusing on leading my transformation because it is so big and there's a tremendous amount mm -hmm. of detail in technology. You know, it's all in the details. It so uh, my leader is running that transformation. She runs actually my transformation and my innovation, my hatch lab team, the same yeah. leader. Well, and I, uh, I've been running into more uh, CIOs and technology leaders who end up establishing a transformation office uh which is just and and it's always structured a little bit differently but it is one it's almost a governance structure to have some kind of idea somebody who's i guess watching all the trains coming in and out of the different stations exactly and for us we're actually just starting the move to a product aligned model that's mm -hmm. very different than where we've been so that's going to require the muscle of having a change agent leader to come in and help to lead the transformation to that operating model as well. Yes. Well, and that was one of the things I mentioned in our introduction that we were going to talk about the role of the CIO as change agent. Um, I know over the years at CIO Magazine, we always had stories about what CIO really meant, chief innovation officer, chief integration officer, chief various CIO designations. But the idea of the CIO as change agent Tell me how you see that has that role itself has changed over the last decade. Absolutely. And to all of those things that you said, I would say yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> it is all of those. And it's almost difficult to put. I, I just say the role is a role of many hats. You have to put on a different hat depending upon where your organization is and what the expectation is and what's needed, frankly. I think a big part of the role is really understanding where is the organization at in the maturity? Mm -hmm. Where do you need to, to be? And then what core strengths do you need to, to flex and build upon and build a team that has those to get the organization to where they need to be? So mm -hmm. to me, um, you can't think of yourself as just a technologist anymore. I do have that technology background. I think that helps me to be very effective in this role, given where this company is. It's very needed. Yes. Uh, so there absolutely is a focus on the execution side. You have to be able to have the business strategy discussion as well mm -hmm. at the highest level. For example, this morning, I walked out of a meeting with our CFO where I was taking and translating what we're doing into that high level discussion that tied into our budget and why things are the way they are and where we want to go all the way down to driving execution with the team and driving results. So you have to have strategy, put together the plans and the actions and the team. The team is very important to drive the results and the expectations in the organization and the measures are important. It's very important. Especially with CFOs, I was thinking. Absolutely, one of the most things, things that you can do to be successful, be a partner with your CFO, right? And and help your CFO and your leadership team to understand what your plans are. Make sure you're aligned on the key expectations. You can partner together and be change agents together. And I think that's one of the most power, the powerful things when you can work with your CFO and your peer teams, your business leaders, and really partner on being very aligned in your strategy together mm -hmm. where you're all addressing and shooting towards the same goals. My measures of success at AFLAC are equal to the success of each of my business partners. So if they do not achieve their goals, I do not achieve my goals. So if I deliver a system and it's exactly what they needed, what they said they needed, mm -hmm. business falls short because it actually missed the mark. We all miss the mark. It's it's a it's yeah. definitely a team team effort, but the change part of it is is huge. Uh, I find that oftentimes as a CIO, you do need to be the one bringing in 
sometimes a bit of an opposing or challenging view of thinking mm-hmm. outside of the outside in thinking, as I like to say, around different ways to think about even running your business of the future. Well, and I know one of the ways you have characterized your style of leadership is that you're an encourager and a challenger. Yes, and both. That's it's that's an interesting almost a, it's almost a bipolar approach to, <laughs> it is. to managing this because encourager implies that you're supportive and you know everybody needs to win, but then challenger is also the change agent part of it. Do you Absolutely, find, yes. How do you deal with the conflicts when you run into them? between those two roles, encouraging and challenging. I, and it, dealing with my team, they will tell you, I'm, I usually will just be very transparent with the team. And, and we're, mm-hmm. we're doing that right now. Of course, budget season is always one of those times mm-hmm. where you have to do that and clearly lay out the goals and the expectations. There's different ways to get there. And so for me, it's really about here is the goal. Here's the expectation. That part isn't changing. What I'm very open to talking about, discussing, hearing different views on is how we arrive there. The path okay. doesn't have, it's a different way mm-hmm. path. There's different way, approaches and different ways that we can arrive at a solution. Uh, so the more that you can engage your team, engage your leadership team in those discussions, be transparent about what the what it is and is not and how you're going to arrive at that end state together. Mm-hmm. That's being, bringing people along with the changes so key and being transparent. Yes. Okay. I want to also, I want to circle back and talk a little bit more about the Hatch Labs. Um, that That is your, essentially that's the innovation ecosystem or one of the pieces of it at Aflac, but it, it's been there for a while, right? It, that was existing when you got there. What, if anything, have you done to change or broaden its mission? Mm-hmm. Broaden the mission a bit. We don't have more investment. So uh, first I'll say innovation happens everywhere in the company. So you can't really get a lab or we call it hatch. We do have a specific purpose for it, but if -hmm. anything, I'm going to uh, this year focus on broadening, gathering innovative ideas from across the company, not just through hatch. Our Mm -hmm. hatch hatch started as a laboratory to basically enable us to have an avenue for our business to test out or ideate around potential problems or opportunities and solutions, doing proof of concept. How we've changed that this year, we also have the front end of that, that starting with our our AFLAC Northern Ireland team, where we actually have a rotational program as well, where we bring individuals in from our business and our technology teams out of their day jobs for say eight weeks, eight to 12 weeks at a time, so that they can actually learn a different role through the innovative process and take on that role and do the ideation following our innovation process from front to back. That is partnered then with our Hatch Laboratory to actually bring it to life through a proof of concept in Hatch. So we are partnering that together. We're mm-hmm. actually bringing that together across the U.S. and Athlete like Northern Ireland. So it's the strength of both of those approaches pulled together uh, that delivers value for our business. We've delivered this last year. For example, some of the things that we've put uh, through our Hatch Laboratory was an approach to do new account setup in an expedited fashion. Mm-hmm. We've done things like what we like to call claims nudging. So is there a way that we could incent our policyholders to file claims? So all of those types of things come through our Hatch Lab. It maybe it's something that we're not quite ready to fund or we're not quite how we want to approach solving for it. They're really mm-hmm. ideate and to think out of the box and to bring in a new approach to solutioning. And then from there, we bring it, What if it's approved, we bring it in and then we 
make it a scalable solution in our production environment. I love that idea of claims nudging. It sounds so much better than claims, say, nagging. <laughs> so it's a nudge. It is very what, much a nudge. So and what is a nudge? This is when a major life event happens, but your customers forget to tell you. <laughs> so yes, if because normally if you have an event, you would go and say, Oh, I need to go file that claim. And if you're like me, I often forget. So mm. this would be picking up that signal, right? And then sending either a you know, text, email, via whatever communication to your, your claimant and encouraging them to file a claim. Mm-hmm. Very, very simple as far as encouragement. Not yeah. too over the top, but just encouraging. Right. And is this one of the areas where you're using some sort of AI as part of the process? In that one, not today, but I, in okay. our in our Hatch Lab, we will have AI solutions coming through there. A lot of chat BT chat GPT in the future, I would see coming through our hatch. Okay. Well, I just, I, I have to say, I love the name of the laboratory. And I guess that's fairly common at Affleck's culture because of that adorable duck. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, we had also talked about, um, and I believe you're in the process of building an internal tech university, a curriculum where it, it may be for upskilling in certain job categories, but it may also have a more general education function for the business as well. Uh, Tell us about that. Yes, we're just in the early stages. I've actually uh, leveraged that at both of my prior companies as well. We're building out educational curriculum to really bridge the gap between our business and technology. Mm -hmm. Um, So the original focus will be on as I like to say, a core curriculum around how do you educate your business on technology, things like what is technical debt? We would have a session now on all things data analytics and chat GPT. Of course, that one would probably come pretty early because everyone's interested. Uh, Having sessions on security and the things that you need to know about as an employee and as a business partner. It really opens up the gap between business and technology and helps your business leaders to understand so that it is no longer a black box to them. And when you say mm. maybe this isn't an area that we should invest in or not now and focusing on priorities, helps to, it helps to bridge that gap and it brings a little bit of a different conversation because there's a better level of understanding. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I would love to also be able to extend it so that we have the same in the reverse coming from our business to technology as well. Yes. Uh, first things first, which will be the tech ed purpose. You know, one of the things we have uh, mentioned a few times that really haven't um, taken a deep dive in at all is your data strategy. Um, is the data strategy uh, a separate a separate area from the AI work, or are we assuming that anything to do with artificial intelligence is going to be data-based anyway? So uh, tell me how you are approaching enterprise data. Is there Are there new structures you set up for it, for instance? So uh, the way that we have it structured today, we're looking at that to ensure that it's our go-forward model. We, we have most of our data and our analytics and our AI teams are in a shared service team together. Mm-hmm. So it's really tough to separate data underpins everything that we do. And uh, so today those are delivered together um, out of one one team. There may be different teams, but it's in the same same organization. We actually do have uh, an analytics team on the front end and data scientists that we work with in our business, of, of course, as, as well. Well, and I always have to ask CIOs, 
what sort of talent are you looking for today? I know you have a, a large percentage of your current workforce is third-party providers and that yes. you're probably bringing that number down somewhat. But to I do am. that, you have yeah. to hire people in. So what are you looking Absolutely. for? Absolutely. So we are just getting ready to launch our talent transformation strategy. Uh, the whole the whole goal is truly to focus on building engineering skills and engineering competencies in the organization whether it be data, data analytics, data science, core engineering skills in um, whether it be AWS technologies, cloud technologies, um, any of the cloud native languages, those are all of the skills that we're looking. We're going to do both invest in internal and then also invest in bringing some internal talent in as well. Mm -hmm. What is that landscape looking at looking like for you today? I know that this has always been a big topic of conversation, probably at USAA and at Liberty Mutual and some of your previous roles. How is it different today? What does it look like today to you? It's different today. I do think the post-COVID era looks very different. Companies previously would always expect, at least for some percentage of the time, for their workforce to be in their core office. That's right. not really an expectation that I have today. I think to attract the talent that we need, you have to be open and be flexible with where you hire that talent from. Mm -hmm. And the other piece is it also drives a certain expectation around compensation and salaries, regardless of where your company sits. That's not the determining factor anymore. It's really where the talent sits. Okay. And there, I think that I think the uh, compensation across the U.S. and even the globe, for example, it's pushed that all to a much more level playing field. And it's still pretty competitive mm -hmm. um, from my perspective for the technical skill sets. Yeah. And when you are and you probably don't get to do this individually yourself, but when you're hiring managers are trying to convince top notch engineers in data or software to join the company, what is the pitch? What is the culture at Affleck that makes this insurance company more worthy of joining than any other. Yes, Affleck is a company that's very much focused on uh, care on purpose, caring for our employees, creating a great place to work, mm -hmm. while also being able to drive innovative solutions. We're at a point of change and transformation, and, and most technologists should be excited to be a part of a team like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, because there's essentially a lot of moving parts. A so. lot of moving parts and a lot of opportunity to think creatively about how do you problem solve? How do you how do you bring this technical debt into the future? Mm -hmm. So it's truly not a business as usual environment. That's what attracted me to Affleck as well as just the focus on this very unique culture here around relationship. It's a little bit of a familial style in the company, but mm -hmm. yet also focused on results. So it's it's yeah. a very unique blend. I'm excited to be a part of this team and uh, happy to see where we are able to take things in the future for the organization. Of huge, course. Up, huge opportunity. Are there any changing or expanding priorities with your CEO or the board in some of the areas that have gotten a lot more of attention a lot more attention lately, like diversity and equity and inclusion. I know you've had you've been interviewed on this many times at other positions, other CIO positions, and this has always been something very near and dear to your heart. What do you what do you see uh, of that at Affleck? 
the DEI, yes. especially DEI. DEI. Yes, DEI. Mm-hmm. We we focus. Uh, I would say a lot of the focus is on um, the diversity and the inclusion piece. It's a huge focus for us. Working everything from our direct in- employee base to our third party suppliers and our channels for third party. So we're looking at all of that. One of the things that's most important to me is making sure that we have all of the unique thoughts coming into the organization. And the way that you do that is making sure that you have a diverse pipeline. So yeah, it, it yeah. starts there. If you don't start with a diverse p- pipeline, you certainly are not going to end up with uh, wonderful, diverse individuals contributing in your organization. And for me, being a female in technology, of course, that's still a passion for me. You know, we're pre- pre- still pretty stagnant. The number of women going into technical fields um, it is remaining pretty pretty low still. It's down far below 30% in that 20% plus range. So for us, that's also a, a huge focus. We have to keep um, making the workplace a great place to be so we can retain all these great minds uh, through their careers and even through life-changing in the middle of the career so that they, they come out on the other side and they grow mm-hmm. into leaders and helping to drive our companies forward. Very important, very important. Well, it is. And I can remember there there was a turning point, and I'm not sure why or when. It was probably after the dot-com boom and bust. But we were in the late 90s. I was I was with Computer World at that point. And we were reaching a point where 34% of the IT workforce was women. Um, it was a different story at the leadership levels, of course. But it's still, it was a third and growing and today, now we've lost, it feels like we've lost so much ground. Um, tell me about some of the things you're doing at AFLAC to be making up for some of that ground. Like I think you relaunched, for instance, the Women in Tech program. Yeah, so having having a focus group where you can actually have those conversations yeah. and help women to be <clears throat> feel supported, um, also to help allies in the organization to understand what it means to to lift your your partner up and your peer in the organization to be a good ally. That's very important. Of course, focusing on our um, recruiting practices is key for us as well. And then our overall benefits packages to making sure that we have an environment that's supportive of all of our employees uh, with women being a big a big piece of that as well. So all of those are key. Having the the flexible work options is important. Um, as well as just having those basic benefits that are much needed throughout your your life and your life changes. Well, in in the um, span of your career over the last 10 years, what have you seen happening with IT internship programs? I I feel like they are back in vogue again. I know they you are have very one in vogue, and I All love right. that. That's been one of uh, the key things that I am expanding here. Uh, most companies that I've been a part of have seen that as a huge part of their pipeline. To mm-hmm. me, it's an exceptional way to get individuals in the door, to get them exposed to your company. They can see the culture. They can see the opportunity inside and see where they fit inside of your organization and where they can enjoy a career and drive value for the company at the same time. Yeah. So that is absolutely a key part of our talent strategy, uh, growing mm-hmm. our internship programs for the future. Yeah. How many interns do you host right now? And how large do you want that to get in the future? We don't have a huge program right now. I think at AFLAC, it's probably less than less than 50, 30 to 50. So I would like to see that for technology, uh, probably double for our, our pipeline of talent coming in. Okay. 30 to 50 isn't so bad. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've, I've talked with CIOs that are lucky if they can get funding for three. You right. know, so, so that's, that's not too bad. That's not a bad start. Um, 
Tell me about when what you have learned about your leadership style in especially in these last few years as you've gone through all of the disturbing and and the dramatic changes of managing and leading during a pandemic and now post pandemic and just all the changes we're all dealing with it feels like at a much faster rate these days what have you learned about yourself what has changed in the way you lead people mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. I, as well as I think many people have learned how very resilient they are uh, taking (laughs) good surprise, right? (laughs) For the the positive in that, I think, uh, you know, you learn through some of those challenging situations and things that you just wake up in the morning and your day turns out very differently than you expect. So that's been a big thing for me is uh, how do I turn some of those challenges into opportunities and really seeking out ways to do that. That's certainly been something. Flexibility comes with that as well. Learning to be flexible. Your plans can't be as rock solid as they used to be. Things are changing so quickly. Not only the pandemic, just technology in general. Mm -hmm. And for me, I've always been a transparent leader, but I am just such a believer in lead from the front, be who you are, show up as the person that you are, and that's going to shine through in with your team, I think the trust is key. Transparency plays right into that. So show up, be who you are. I've learned that throughout my career. Don't try to lead from a position that's just not your personality. Yeah, or, or a lofty position above it all. Absolutely. I am one who I will I will work in the sessions with the CFO in the very next meeting. I'll be in a room, sleeves rolled up, working with architects on the next solution. And I, I do think you have to pivot between all of those many, many, many thinking hats as a CIO are important. Yes. Well, that's actually fun that you get to still do that. Very few CIOs get to put their hands on anything that work work product related. Mm-hmm. I try to make time to do that. And one yeah. of an organization I do, we do technology reviews with our architecture team. It's a way for me to also stay close to mm-hmm and see the direction and make sure that we're heading in the right direction as well. So there's ways that you can implement processes in your organization so that you can stay pretty well connected. Mm -hmm. Good, good. And I know that outside of Affleck, for a number of years, you've been involved on the board of the Technology Business Management Forum. Yes. Yes. Talk a little bit about that. What is that about and what has that done for you in the way or or how has it helped you um, manage all the enormous expenses and responsibilities of a multi-million dollar tech budget. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, first of all, just being on the board has been great uh, to be among peers in the industry. We're all solving similar challenges. So if, if one of the benefits is absolutely connecting into that peer network, there's always something that someone that you can reach out to, depending upon the situation that you're in, I guarantee you someone else is dealing with the same thing or has already been through that. So there's a lot of information sharing just there. And then from a practice of technology business management in general, I've implemented that at two companies. This is now my third where I'm having the opportunity to implement it. Um, The rigor around financials, transparency of financials, how Mm -hmm. that ties into the services, the technical services and technology solutions that you're providing to, to the business are key. Um, that rigor around mapping your financials to whether it be your applications, mapping your labor is important to understand. How do you think about those things strategically in the future? How do you make decisions around where am I spending too much and maybe where do I need to shift? 
dollars and start spending less and, and divert those dollars to other areas. So yes. for me, that's been a key tool that I've been able to use to help me to drive strategy of the future in the organization. It's it's key, especially when working with your CFO. The more of that information that you have, you're able to help them to understand your strategy and your decisions much better because it ties in your strategy with the financials. Excellent. Okay. Well, final wrap-up question the for the uh, people that are watching this video, maybe listening to it live or will be listening to the podcast and so forth and aspire to be CIOs in the future, or that's where their career path is heading. What are some of your biggest lessons learned over the years as a CIO that you, what things you wish you knew sooner? Probably the one I will say is sometimes the biggest no in your career will turn out to be the best yes you ever got. Some of the, some of the roles that I was told not now, you're not ready. Mm -hmm. And that time that I had to stay in another role or take a different role, I gained skills that I'm leveraging today. So Mm -hmm. Be resilient, um, focus on where you want to be, but but don't be afraid of taking on parallel roles where you're going to be skill building earlier in your career. The more focus on skill building as much as you can. Don't focus on climbing the ladder. Focus on being known for something. Be that person that becomes a go-to person where people mm-hmm. see you as an expert. How I always like to tell my team and they would tell you, yes, Sheila will always ask me, what's your major and what's your minor? What's the one thing that people <laughs> come to you for? And then what's your yeah. minor, right? Mm-hmm. So those those things are, are key. And uh, some of those relationships that you'll build through those journeys are ones that you'll carry with you in your career and they'll be there to help you out and help coach and mentor you and cheer for you when you start landing those next positions as well. Yes. Yes, and I think that is the huge benefit of the, the the very broad and rich and deep CIO networks that exist out there. I know you've been you've been awarded a number of those organizations yourself, and I'm always very encouraged when I see CIOs that are actively taking part in those networks and showing up at conferences and doing that sort of thing as well. And also showing up on shows like this. So thank you so much for joining me today. It has been absolutely great having a chance to talk with you in such depth. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you. All right. If you joined us late today, do not despair. You can watch the full episode later today here on LinkedIn, but also on CIO.com and on CIO's YouTube channel. CIO Leadership Live is also available as an audio podcast wherever you find your podcasts. I hope you enjoyed and learned from today's conversation with Sheila Anderson, the CIO of Aflac, as much as I did. We'll be back again in two weeks on Wednesday, November 8th at noon Eastern with Mark Younger, who is the CIO and head of IT for Servier Pharmaceuticals. Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks especially for our audience members who sent in some questions. And do take a moment to subscribe to CIO's YouTube channel. You can find all 116 previous episodes of CIO Leadership Live there. Take care out there and thanks for joining us. We'll see you here next time.